On today's episode of Back the Bird, we are pleased to be joined by Kyle Buchanan of the Buffalo Bandits. A little bit of a shorter episode today, catch up on some news and notes around the league and on some recent trips. Hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. This is episode 80 of Back of the Bird. with his new song crossfire thank you to boston for continuing to let us use his music he's awesome let's get into the show all right we're back episode 80 back of the bird presented by cottage springs huge shout out to the springs we got our shipments coming we got tequila sodas on deck polly but first let's, let's check in how are you doing fresh off the fresh off the jet yeah doing good buddy just uh yeah you know a couple couple days in vegas obviously Tough game, but you know, great time in Vegas. We played a sick golf course, played Payute. How was like, it? Yeah, I need to hear oh, about dude. the ground. It was unreal. So, first round, first round on the Sunday was uh, Las Vegas National. Not the greatest. It, like, I think Tiger won a PGA event there, like way back in the day, like 94. So, at one point, it was good, but it's like lined by houses and kind of like every house looks like it belongs at a like breaking bad. Yeah. So, but still, like, a great, like, weather was amazing. So, it's still, like, obviously a good time anytime you get out golfing. But, like, this pay you, yeah, it was unbelievable. So, it had, like, we did two rounds, um, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. The one in the afternoon has, like, an island green off 15. So, it was just unbelievable. And then, uh, then so, my buddy came down for the weekend. And then, like, he, he treated the boys to a, a limo bus on the way home. So the boys are grooving on the way home. So yeah, it was, it was unbelievable, man. It was, uh, yeah, it's one of the, one of the nicer courses I've ever played for sure. How did so you boys, shoot him? Um, not bad. Shot pretty good on the Sunday and then shot good in the afternoon. So I think it was like 90 in the afternoon. And then the morning round, I was like 98. So not great, but hey, it's early, early in the yeah. season, early in the early. season. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. I like it. Um, right. they, well, hey, I, I'm doing the order here. Um, shout out to the NLPA with our love sponsorship deals. I'm dealing with Ping. We're getting clubs, Polly. We're doing it. Good for yeah, but what a deal, man! Forty percent off. Mm-hmm. So, not bad. Not bad yeah. at all. So dealing with uh, working through all the the fitting stuff there to uh, to put put an investment in my game to get to get a little bit better this summer. Love it. Yeah. I love it. So if you live at a house in Millcroft, it wasn't me. That's uh, <laughs> that's what we'll go with here. Speaking of Millcroft, I just committed to men's night again. Did you? Oh yeah, we're I'm back, baby. So oh, I can't wait for those updates. That's yeah, my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, we quiet week over here. We're back. Uh, we had we had a game obviously there, and uh, boys went into went into New York City, had some fun. Uh, oh nice little team bonding post game and then uh, we had a nice little team event with one of our sponsors west hampton brewing uh west hampton beach brewing um 
which was great. So it was uh, just good, some good old fashioned team bonding and came back, uh, came back late Sunday night. So this week's been, uh, it's already felt like it's 10 days long, but um, we got in a quick turnaround. We're back into flying out to Georgia. We got a Friday game. So it's uh, these weeks fly by, man. I can't believe it's already, uh, already April. It's unbelievable how fast it's like, it felt like it's felt like four seasons, but also just felt like it's flown by. It's kind of crazy. I know. It is wild. I got to give, I'm going to have to give a shout out to, um, uh, we went out obviously after the game as a team in, uh, in Vegas to a cool little spot. Not really like a typical Vegas club, kind of like a little Vegas club, a good time. Um, desert dogs were there too. So got to see like a couple of the old guys that like we played with, but, uh, got to give a shout out to this guy. Um, Got to find his name because I think he just followed me on Instagram, but he was a beauty. He was giving me a rundown. I think his name's Jack Bill and Duke, but okay. he was a beauty. He's uh, living in Vegas. I think he's dating maybe one of the cheerleaders. Anyways, this guy was a beauty. By trying trying to buy me drinks all night. Big, big fan of the pod. So I told him I'd give him a shout out. He was giving me the rundown on Payute, saying, you know, it can be super windy and give me the whole by whole, whole by whole description at like, you know, two o'clock in the morning. So love that. yeah, just, just fantastic. So but awesome. give a shout out to him. He's a, he was a beauty. So thanks for listening, bud. And I told him I give him a shout out. So try, try and keep, try and be a man of my word. I, I do it about 60% of the time. So chalk this, <laughs> chalk this one up to. Yeah, we, fought, we did it. He did yeah. it. We followed through, but, um, Again, golfing season. We want to give a shout out to our boys over at Bar Down. Get your uh, get your merch for the course. Get the hat. The hats are coming. Mitch Belisle. Shout out to him too for uh, supporting the boys. Um, I think the hat. He got notified the hat was on the way. So um, the hats are in. They're getting shipped out. So uh, get those orders in and wear those things around. Um, I guess. Uh, I mean, we can let you know we got Kyle Buchanan coming on. Um, I think what we could do is probably send it over to him. Um, so obviously, like they all are, brought to you by Lucky Penny Media. At Lucky Penny Media, we're a full-service marketing company without hefty agency pricing. We understand your brand is everything to you, and when working together, it means everything to us. You're more than just a client. You're a partner and a teammate. Our philosophy is simple. You grow, I grow, we grow. So here he is, Kyle Buchanan. We are pleased to welcome our next guest. This Robert Morris product has recorded at least 50 points in six seasons and ranked top five on his team in scoring in each of his last seven. He has only topped 10 penalty minutes once in his career and captured the NLL Sportsmanship Award in 2015 after completing his second consecutive 18-game season with zero PIMS. This Nepean native has 436 points in 127 games for the SEALs, Black Wolves, Wings, and Stealth. This was before his Buffalo days. His teams have made the playoffs five times in his career, and he's registered 22 points in seven career playoff games. Welcome to Back of the Berg, Kyle Buchanan. What's going on, brother? <laughs> How you doing, man? I don't know if I like the Lady Bing, the Lady Bing drop first. Hey, that's 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 a that's an honorable that's an honorable award. That's a, it's yeah. uh, to, to to play the way you do and buzz around out there, and not take a single one. That's good. <laughs> I guess so. Two seasons in a row, that's fucking wild. Polly, it's a lose-lose if you get into it with me, right? If you beat me up, you're not tough. And if you lose, you're certainly not tough. So no one <laughs> I know, heads my way it's very not much. Like, yeah, it's not like you don't play hard, though. Like Danny said, it's kind of wild that you went two straight years and no pimps. But fuck, 
Hey, an award's an award, man. They don't ask how. They ask how, how many. You're good. You can just, like, right. at the end of your career, just take the lady big off and just put MVP. No one's ever going to know. <laughs> just take the name plate off. I'll take it. I'll take it. Love it. Hey man, well, I mean, we'll hop into it. We got, uh, we got, we got a lot to get through, but we'll, uh, we'll kind of start with, with kind of growing up, um, born and raised in Nepean. Is that, is that right? Yes, sir. And how did you, uh, how'd you get into lacrosse? Uh, so I come from a mostly hockey and baseball family. Um, you know, my uncles and cousins played pretty high level and I was the first one to kind of pick up a lacrosse stick around 10 years old. A buddy of mine, uh, Played on my hockey team had a like a primates if you remember that lacrosse company at all yeah t-shirt on and i'm like what is what's that all about and uh he's like you gotta try it so one summer i played baseball and lacrosse and uh kind of the rest is history obviously loved love the game and speed and the scoring and all that and made the switch right away so did are you playing minor in Nepean the whole way up then or yeah yeah, yeah the whole okay. way like it so then I mean, growing up, was there any, is there any other guys that are kind of that you would have played with that, uh, that like that went on to, to play like higher level junior or anything like that, or, or into the NLL? No, like, I mean, a, a bunch of my team. So my team was the first a team in the PN. Uh, we basically took our, our triple a hockey team and made it a lacrosse team. Uh, you know, a ton of good athletes, ton of good players. A bunch of guys went to NCAA hockey, couple lacrosse, um, all went to junior, but then kind of shut her down after that. So, we were lucky, though. We were coached by uh, Gerard Cowie, who's a Peterborough guy. Won some man cups there. Obviously, his brother was the goalie for the Bandits, Russ Cowie. Um, so, you know, had a good coach from a young age, which is, you know, kind of difficult being from a small center like that, that at the time. You know, Nepean's come a long way and, and is unreal center now. But, um, yeah, we were just lucky to have a good group of guys and a good coach. And, uh, yeah. Make it. So what's uh, after after your, you wrap up, Midget, it's uh... – Again, it's lacrosse. We talk about this every time. It's hard to like pull up like an actual Bible of like the history of where everyone was before. The NLL is pretty good. Like you get some st- the stats on the NLL and, and where guys went to college. But uh, what was the junior route like for you? Well, the better question is where didn't I play, I guess. But uh, being from <laughs> Ottawa was, was tough. So my first year, actually when I was 15, I played up with the junior Bs and the Pian Knights uh, with Callum. Uh, recent guest yeah uh and uh and same with when i was 16 and then when i was 16 i was drafted by peterborough so halfway through the year i kind of started playing a couple of games with the junior a's and then we lost in the first round uh in junior b and then i went to peterborough um for the junior a playoffs so we lost in game seven to whitby and then that following summer ottawa got a team so traded for my rights back from peterborough so we had a team for two years there uh, we actually were pretty decent my first year. We, I think we took six nations to game six or seven, which was, uh, you know, one versus eight, which is kind of crazy, but we yeah. were decent. A bunch of veteran junior hockey players that were on that squad. So good athletes. And then um, from there, I went to New West um, for the for the Minto in 2007. So spent some, uh, some time out there with uh, a few guys, Kevin Crowley, Dave Brock, uh, Curtis Manning. We had a pretty decent squad out there. And, uh, and then my last year was Aquasasne. So I came back East, finished, uh, finished Aquasasne. And, uh, yeah, that was it for the junior career. Bucky, who was, yeah. who was your goalie in Ottawa? Great question. Wow. Justin Delormier, I think maybe is the guy you're referring to, who was a young Aquasasne goalie who was unreal. Uh, we had a couple different guys. Yeah, that we had that's Brad what I'm talking Conlon about. in the mix. We had, uh, 
yeah, yeah, Justin Delormier. So he was a he was an unbelievable goalie, basically the perfect size for the net at that time. Because my last year junior was the last year of the small nets, so fit in it perfectly and and let us uh, let us kind of take some chances on the offensive end. And whatever happened to him, he never went anywhere, eh? No, I think he became a cop. Actually, he was uh, he was unreal, and he stuck around the game for a little bit. But uh, no, he definitely okay. uh, probably could have had a career if he wanted to. Yeah, seriously. And then that last year in Sauce in Aquasauce, was that when they had a junior team, junior A team? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So okay. we actually had a pretty okay. good squad. We had all, all four Thompsons. Um, yeah, had some good Ottawa boys mixed in there. Pretty veteran squad. And in playoffs, actually, Justin Delormier got hurt. Myself and Jeremy Thompson all got hurt. Uh, against Orangeville and uh, missed a couple games, so um, didn't help us. And they're obviously a you know typical Orangeville squad that you know run fast, uh, good athletes. So took it to us, and um, yeah, legs it after Orangeville. How did you uh, that that year before? How did you end up getting out to New West? So I went on a recruiting trip to Stony Brook with Jordan McBride. Um, so stayed with him on that recruiting trip you know, made some, uh, made, made a good connection with them. And then, uh, you know, they were making a run for it. Obviously they were hosting that year in 2007. So the winner of the West as well as new West was going to go. And, you know, I was doing well in, like, in the scoring race and I think we were 0 and 12 or something in Ottawa. And he just sent me a message one day, I think Facebook and just said, Hey, like, any interest in coming out West? And uh, it was about halfway through the year. And obviously at that time, I just wanted to win going 0 and 12 wasn't, wasn't ideal. Um, and so, yeah, made the jump, uh, live with McBride in, in New West. And, uh, yeah, I had a great rest of the summer. And Brocky made the trip out, too, to play with you guys. Brock, yeah, he was out there when I got out there. And uh, I didn't know so, but Brocky and I got close when we were out there. And, yeah, he was already out there doing his thing. I think we'd work in, I don't know, for a glass company or something. He had probably three jobs while he was out there for six months. But who knows? No, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a good time. And, and uh, yeah, we got tight out there and we had a good group. Like and and then and what? How did that? How did that? Did you guys end up winning the West, or did you just get? Did you get in because you hosted it? No, we we lost to Coquitlam in playoffs, and then Burnaby ended up beating Coquitlam in the finals. A um, couple good squads actually, and then in the uh, in the Minto, we lost in the semifinals with zero point zero on the clock. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a play to Jammer six against Six Nations. That was the year they had Evie, two thousand seven and uh on the hardwood there in new west and uh they drew up a play for Evie at the end of the game and we intercepted it and we made one more look pass and the guy just threw it from center five hole and uh the rest is history oh man that's a tough. tough one well and you, you talked a little bit about um you mentioned stony brook there like how does how are you gonna getting recruited throughout this process to schools in the states yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, honestly. Like, being in Ottawa, there was no field lacrosse. Like, it was just – we had our high school field team, but it was an absolute joke. It was basically my buddies who played football just grabbed a stick and, you know, in their hockey helmet and saw what they could do. So, um, yeah, it's mostly the junior loop. So, when I was playing games in Toronto, you know, being on an Ottawa junior team, we were traveling every single weekend all summer. So, I was just lucky if teams saw me play against, you know, some, some big players. So, I went on recruiting trips to Canisius – Hobart, Stony Brook, and Robert Morris um, actually signed three letters of intent. wasn't sure wasn't sure where I wanted to go. Indecisive, uh, eh? Yeah, yeah. So when I was seventeen, signed to Canisius. I was like, ah, still want to play some hockey. When I was uh, eighteen, I signed at Stony Brook, and then they made a coaching change, and uh, Rick Soul came in, and they said, oh, we got this Crowley guy in McBride, or six-one, you know, scorers. We've seen them play, and 
here it says you're five eight hundred and fifty (laughs) and never seen you play so i don't think you're going to come to stony brook and then uh yeah so i stuck with it and uh robert morris actually saw myself moose and brownie all play in the same game in burlington so um you know going there obviously changed my life and uh good thing i waited yeah, no doubt. I mean, and that's a nice little lead. And obviously we got a little, Smitty, you might want to say what's up here too. There's, we got our other colonial on the line. <laughs> what's going on? What a place. <laughs> what a place. Smitty's second, second career car appearance, I think here. So it's a uh, third, third time guest now, I think. But um, I mean, what's, when you're walking onto campus, obviously you like, do you know Brownie and, and, and Moose there going, going into it? Well, funny enough, we, that previous summer, uh, we played in the infamous eight game series in the OLA. Have you heard of this? Yeah. You need, okay. Well, I don't know if we've, I don't know if we've gone into this fully before. I think I we think might have, have but, actually, but uh, yeah, maybe, tell uh, your, tell your side. Maybe Krep or Danny Mac, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. So, so uh, we're playing in Aquasauce. A lot and, of listeners haven't heard though. We got to tell it again. Yep. All right. I'll tell it. Uh, so the boys may not like this version, but um, so we're playing in Aquasauce and uh, I forget the series is, I forget what the series is at, but you know, we could go up three, two and head back to Aquasasi, I believe to, to try and seal it out. And on the way back, we find out that the guy who scored the game winner was a junior B call up and didn't have enough games. So Glennie little protested that he shouldn't have played. So we'd go back to square or whatever. And I guess he didn't protest properly. So we protested the protest. <laughs> and, and we won so they just washed the game completely and it ended up being an eight game series where we finished in Aquasasne and uh we closed them out in Aquasasne um and even funny enough at the end of that game Brownie and Danny Mack doubled me we pulled the or they pulled the goalie doubled me in the corner turned the ball over Brownie goes to the net to bury one and Danny Mack's holding me in the corner and they call him for a hold no goal no until the yeah, series ends eight game series ends oh no they're gonna be punching punching the steering wheel listening to this one. Oh yeah that's good stuff so i mean you get to campus and and what's uh what's life like did you guys live together right out of the gate no no i live with a guy dylan pope you should see this guy now absolute beauty long blonde hair heavy set he was a goalie and uh no, so, so when I got to campus, though, I didn't know anybody. I just knew Brownie and, and Moose basically from that series, and we chatted a little bit, like, you know, throughout the summer or whatever. But um, got to campus and, you know, opened my flip phone and <laughs> just saw on Facebook, Brownie had sent me a number. So I texted the number, and he was on campus. And so we kind of were inseparable from that day, just kind of the first guy you meet, first guy you know, and obviously a Canadian guy and not know what's going on because he had a bit of a different route getting to Robert Morris as well, went to Western and then had to take some time off, whatever. So, uh, no, we didn't li- live together off the gate, though, and uh, we did from year, I guess, not even year two, year three and four we did. So, and I got, I was, I was told to ask you about this, uh, the roommate of yours, you had it at a gate quitting the team or something. <laughs> oh, no, that was year two. That was year two? Yeah, that was year two. So, we had this goalie, um, Sal Barcia, unbelievable goalie. He went to West Islip in Long Island, and... Uh, weapon and uh <laughs> he was he was a character so he he was amazing he probably could have gone to a bunch of schools but it wasn't much for academics it wasn't for him and uh so one game we were playing and he was supposed to go in at half against ohio state and my roommate at the time the other goalie from long island was having a great game so they kept him in and he absolutely lost his mind and went toward the dressing room apart 
And the coach said, "All right, enough of you, buddy. Get out of here." So didn't he rip um, the sink off the wall or something? Rip? No, the uh, the um, water fountain. Oh. Right off the wall. See you later. So was the was the place flooded then when you guys got back in? No, oh, just water everywhere. Not only that, I'm like, hey, where where did he go? He's not in the dressing room. So I go back home and he's sitting on my back deck, and it's not a pretty college house. He's sitting on the back deck with a pack of smokes and sixty of rum. I'm like, oh geez. And then <laughs> and then didn't, really he, didn't he go on to become a cheerleader after that or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then yeah, so we were friends with some of the cheerleaders and and sure enough, uh, you know, he was getting close to them. He's like, Hey, maybe I could, you know, as many guys in there, maybe I could get involved with that. So sure enough, he goes to a couple practices, learns a couple stunts. All of a sudden we come to a game and he's in full uni, just <laughs> raising the girls up at the basketball game. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's good. That's good. Um, so we got, we got a few pointers here on stories to, to ask oh. you about, but um, I guess the, the next one here is would be that you guys got caught doing a, throwing a Super Bowl party when you shouldn't have or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then ended up with some punishment runs. Oh, there was a few at Robert Morris. They were pretty strict with us around that time. I don't know about your day, Smitty, but um, they're pretty strict oh, with us. Yeah. Uh, I almost, I, I had two underagers in two months, so um, <laughs> I, I, I had about 12 punishment runs those first two months. Oh, yeah. So I'll back you, a little Did bit. you guys have the same coaches? Uh, I think uh, we I think did. You, you, but Bear was still there when you were there, right? Or was he gone at that point? Just for a year and a bit. I think McMinn was the rest okay. of the way. Yeah, so I'll backtrack a little bit. So day one on campus, I'm 20 years old because I finished my junior hockey and uh, my Long Island goalie roommate with the long blonde hair. The mom comes in and she's like, I know you Canadians like to drink. Don't get Dylan in trouble. <laughs> so, so Dylan's 17 coming out of uh, high school in Long Island. And I know a bunch of the hockey boys from playing junior hockey in Ottawa that are at Robert Morris. Like, oh, come to this party first day on campus. I go, we're not even there for eight minutes. He gets written up for an underage ticket. <laughs> he has to tell his mom. <laughs> she's, not even, she's not even out of the parking lot yet. And he gets written up for an underage Anyways, so the, yeah, the Super Bowl, but uh, I mean, we got caught for a few different parties there and uh, yeah, a couple of times, uh, one of the times we had a party where the girls won and uh, we went out for a couple of beers with them and there was a rule, no drinking, you know, within 24 hours of a team event or whatever. And the next day I have my family coming in from eight hours from Ottawa and I, there's about eight of us there. So the captain calls me and he's like, Hey, Bucky, did you have a couple beers? Like, no worries. Like, just tell me if you had a couple. I'm like, yeah, I had a couple. Like we're about to head home. No stress. He's like, okay. And all good. All good. Okay. So we get to the, the stadium the next day and uh, he calls us all in all the guys that were at the party. He's like, who had beers here? Nothing. He called me the night before that. I said that I had a couple beers. He's like, all right, Bucky's not playing today. I guess but the boys would stand up for me. Brownie, <laughs> Corbin, Sal, my roommate at the time crickets the boys just hung me out to dry so i had to miss half the game my parents drove freaking eight hours from ottawa and i had to miss half the game for these lunatics just being like, ah. that's good that sounds like that sounds like our brownie eh? just sitting there waiting. Oh, <laughs> throwing you to the walls right he said he said there was something like i don't know you guys got you had like six weeks of punishment runs after this you got caught for the super bowl party and um and you guys would you'd go out before the punishment run anyway, and you you go out there and demolish the time every time anyway. Yeah, back in the day, the 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 beers didn't really affect me too much from the run, and I was able to get at it the next morning, so it didn't really impact me too much. But yeah, I don't remember. I do remember faintly the uh, 
the six weeks of runs, but there was one time too, where we, they brought us out and we thought we were doing another punishment run. So we, they're like, everyone on the line, we get on the line. And we literally just stood there. No talking for an hour straight, 60 <laughs> guys or 50 guys, whatever it was standing on the, on the line for an hour. They're like what no runners the today, boys. There? <laughs> just stand there. 6am on the line. I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's an odd one. Love that though. But, um, I, we got to keep rolling through these ones I got for you. What was oh, senior God. year? I've <laughs> coach decided captain captains weren't the move that year. Or what? Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess the move, I guess the seniors were Brownie, myself, Moose, and a couple other, a couple American guys. I don't know if we had any other Canadians in that mix. Um, but yeah, he just said, you know, kind of the motto of like everybody's leader and, you can lead in your own way and just thought, eh, I think we're going to ixnay the, the captains this year. So, you know, we kind of knew who the leaders and the captains were, but he just said, nah, we're not going to go with that this year. So basically it was Moose, to be honest with you. Yeah. Anytime there was a team award or someone had to speak or whatever, Moose just went up. And so we just started saying that they were going to name Joe Walton Stadium, Kyle Matisse Stadium eventually. <laughs> he was our RMU. That's hilarious. Um Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rallying them off here, Polly, but we got, a, we got a few more. What did you guys call yourselves? You, you Matisse, and, uh, and Brownie. Do you, do you remember this one? K3? K3. And yeah, what, did, so. what did you guys do? <laughs> what did you wear under your game shorts? <laughs> yeah, that's actually, this is actually good. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it started the second year. We're like, oh, we were a midfield line. Brownie was coming off his red shirt year. We're like, we got to get something where the boys are going to get on the same page early and so the tradition was the night before the first game, we went and bought custom underwear and got them either, I guess, embroidered or like, <laughs> but pressed with K3 on it with your number. <laughs> so one year, one year we had red silk underwear with K3 embroidered in white on the legs and we wore them under our shorts every game. That's unbelievable. Do you uh, have any of those pairs years. left? No, I think Brownie does. I most guaranteed uh-huh. does. That's you guys so see those rapid, rapid fire. I guess on a couple more, but um, what's this like beer pong table? A brownie through a beer pong table out a window or something? Oh, you're getting all the stories from him, eh? <laughs> yeah, we're at this bar, the two level bar jailhouse, one of the popular ones in, at Robert Morris and Coriopolis. There, and <laughs> Smitty, actually, had a couple there, right, eh, Smitty? Oh, yeah, that might be the best establishment in the world. <laughs> it's top notch, top notch. There's a beer pong table on the second floor, and we're like our last week of the year. And uh, I'm like, all right, we got to get one of these beer pong tables home. Like, you know, everyone's wrapping up and packing up or whatever. Sure enough, doesn't that go and look over? And Brownie's got the thing halfway out the window of the second story, and it's onto the main drag in friggin' Coriopolis. And him and a buddy fire that thing about 30 feet out in the middle of the street smash i'm like but it doesn't you know it's still intact so we sneak down or whatever and jk is another buddy who went to school with beauty and and uh he's like all right you and i are gonna run out there on the count of three we're gonna grab the table and we're gonna boot it back there's cameras out there so we're like okay okay we'll keep an eye one two three he stays i go <laughs> jesus so now i'm in the middle of the street got this beer pong table on my back freaking running the thing across the street oh Took then, it back, so we took it home and then I returned it the next day because I was having the scaries. Yeah, that'll happen. The scaries will get you. Um, wasn't good. And then I guess last one, what was your uh, what was your go-to move so you didn't wouldn't smell like booze at practice? 
Oh, I don't know. I probably had a couple. What has he, he, he got me? Something saying? about covering your whole body in deep cold so you wouldn't smell like <laughs> <laughs> I had a sore body. I had a sore <laughs> body. <laughs> Muscles are tight, boys. Oh, man. Um, obviously, so obviously a great time there from the stories I've heard and what a crew, but moving, moving from kind of your days there into, into the NLL, like we like to kind of ask this on like draft wise and stuff. Do you remember the draft? Like, did you have an idea what was going to happen there? Yeah. If you haven't heard this story, this is quite the draft story. So I, the summer before I played uh, senior B for St. Regis because I wanted to stay close to home. I, I think my rights were in Brooklyn and, uh, we won a press cup that summer. We had a great offense, great year, but, you know, obviously wasn't a lot of exposure just playing in, in the senior B loop there. And so, you know, I thought, you know, I had a pretty decent junior career, good college career, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'll probably get drafts in the first few rounds, whatever. So I'm in Cincinnati coaching a, a new division three program, uh, Wilmington college. And uh, the coach goes, Oh, the drafts tonight, we have practice, but like, I know you'll get drafted in one of the first few rounds. And so, uh, you know, why don't you come out and tell the boys when you get drafted, like they'll be all excited and fired up for you and, you know, we'll get practice going. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. So I'm sitting there at the computer in this office in friggin' farm town in Ohio. And first round goes by, second round goes by, third round goes by. I'm like, okay, we're halfway through practice now. So I walk out to practice. The whole squad comes running over. Where did you go? Where did you get drafted? I'm like, didn't get drafted. Like, Sorry. <laughs> So not only that, I'm like, text my old man. I'm like, hey, you just text me like when I get drafted. He's like, yeah, you finally went. I'm like, nice, when? Sixth round to Washington. <laughs> oh, so Dougie, you wouldn't believe it. So I don't know if you guys know this guy named Doug Locker. Uh, He's come up a few times. <laughs> know him very well, but he was, he, was, he was my assistant GM in San Jose, dude. So I was talking to him. Before, like when I got drafted, I know Dougie very well, man. Did you do oh, the? Yeah. Did you fill out the questionnaire for him? I think the I questionnaire did, wasn't as, it wasn't no, around. Wasn't? Not I not so. when I was there. So, not when I was getting drafted. Sorry, Bucky. I was getting dude. So like, obviously, you know, we're going back a little bit. This is two thousand seven. So I don't even. I must have just had a cell phone, but dude. This guy was calling me in my residence in Windsor. And I remember just talking to this guy. And I'm like, man, this guy, like, so I talked to like him and I talked to like Johnny Meridian and a couple other teams. But I'll always remember Locker because I'm like, man, like this guy's got like a radio voice. I'm like, this guy sounds like the fucking coolest guy I've ever met. And then I remember getting drafted. So we like, we had the big to do, like they took a, the bus to New York. And I remember him coming up to me. I was, you know, when it's like someone's voice doesn't match their face. I was like, this was the guy I was talking to the whole time. <laughs> but then like, obviously like great friends now is just, I, I'll never forget that though. Oh yeah. He's a, he's a beauty. Dougie Locke is a really good guy. Um, but yeah, he gives me a call and I was just kind of like, <laughs> not really happy to be honest with you. Yeah. He's like, all good. With you? I'm like, yeah, just, you know, a weird day whatever right and so um yeah learned pretty quick and uh was just happy to get drafted and then so going into that year like you just you going into camp and do they like give you an idea kind of going in like where they see you fitting in or, or what, how things are going to go well i mean lomi i'm a sixth round draft pick there's not really my <laughs> at the time so um and the right side at the time was uh dutchy Bucktooth, 
Iannucci. And then Zwick was coming back after, I think, an injury off his knee and, and playing a summer in the WLA. Um, and Zwick, Jeff Zwicky was my like role model, my idol growing up, right? Being an Nepean guy, smaller righty, all the success he had in the NCAA and Team Canada, all that kind of stuff. That's literally the guy who I modeled my whole game after. Um, so he was the, uh, you know, one of the players there and there's a couple other guys. But um, yeah, I just, I just had a good camp. Obviously had a chip on my shoulder and I was probably in the best shape I, I could have been because I was in that school in the NCAA coaching. I was just working out with the boys and small school, not much to do. So, um, yeah, I just came in kind of with a chip on my shoulder and um, made the squad. And, and it was crazy that, you know, kind of to take the last spot and Zwick kind of hung it up after that, which is wild kind of full circle story. But um, yeah, pretty crazy. Who was, uh, who was coach? Was this Washington at this point? Or was this, was this in Vancouver? Where, where was the team at that point? This was the last year in Everett, Paulie. So we saw you guys in the final okay. fight. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 Um, so then who, who was coaching? Uh, CH. Okay. okay. Chris, Hall. Yeah, right. Chris Hall was our coach. Yeah. How was, uh, how was the first time meeting him? Uh, awesome. Kind of an intimidating guy, old school. Um, yeah. not a huge X's and O's guy really just kind of motivated and just like, you gotta be ready to play, you know, don't be soft, make some small plays, you know, kind of lead by example type of thing. So, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, I had guys on my team, you know, Lewis Ratcliffe, Kyle Sorensen, Dutchie, Molesky, bunch of veteran guys, Beers, um, Cliff Smith, bunch of veteran guys. So is it Brett Bucktooth, Dean Hill, you know, to learn from that, uh, made it a really easy adjustment once I got in there, but, um, yeah, great group. So how do you, uh, after that, I mean, are you just, are you just there for the one year? So, yeah, so I'm there for the one year. Um, so I don't play. So, you know, I'm playing a few games and I get scratched and I play about half the game. So I don't play for like the last three months of the year. And then don't play in the playoffs. Uh, championship game day. Chris Hall comes up to me and shoot around. Hey, uh, you ready to go? I'm like, oh, what? He's like, yeah, you're in tonight. You're in tonight. I'm like, excuse me. I haven't played since friggin' March. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? So uh, I guess Dutchie had a bad quad. And that was, I think, the days when we had a little bigger roster, if I'm not mistaken, Polly. And uh, I think so, yeah. So, yeah. He dressed me that night. I was a grocery stick, uh, served two penalties, played two shifts. Um, and then uh, I got a call a few weeks later, I guess maybe July, August. And they just straight up released me for, for nothing. They said, yeah, I think we're going to drop Tyler Digby. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't think you're going to live back out here. Team may be moving, all that kind of stuff. And uh, just released me. So then you just signed as a free agent in Philly? Yeah, exactly. I had I had two free agent camps. I had to go to Philadelphia and Toronto. Um, went to the first one in Philadelphia, and Blaine Harrison and Jim Milligan were the coaches there, and uh, had a good free agent camp. You know, it's a bunch of guys, like some guys that can play, but then a lot of American guys that are just trying to find their way into the game. And um, Millie and, and Blaine were like, "Hey, come to our you know our real camp next week." And I said, "Actually, I'm supposed to go to Toronto's free agent camp, so you know, you know, where do you see me kind of fitting in, kind of thing?" and they're like, well, just give us a little bit. So about half an hour later, they just came back with a contract and said, hey, like, if you sign this now, kind of kind of secure a spot, I guess, for the year type of thing. And at that time, I didn't really, you know, I called I called T, uh, Terry Sanderson, and I was just like, hey, this is the situation. And he was, you know, you know, T is pretty straight up. And he just said, hey, you know, like, you can come in, you can be our fourth, or you can, you know, you and Robbie Hellier and Scott Evans basically battling for those last spots. And 
we see it here, but at the same time, if you get opportunity in Philly, then, then take advantage of that. And uh, was thankful for that advice and, and did that. What was, yeah, uh, of a, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Just a bit scary though. Like, I mean, I guess Philly kind of gave you a little bit more of a guarantee, but fuck like kind of nerve wracking, just not really knowing which one to choose. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just started dating my, my girlfriend at the time with my now wife. Um, she lives in Burlington at the time. So Toronto sounded, sounded great, obviously from a guy who grew up in Ottawa as well. So um, didn't know what the next step for my career was, but um, you know, super thankful. I, I went to Philadelphia, you know, I got to play with Crowley. Our right side was Crowley, Ryan Ward uh, and TK, well, TK's last year. So, you know, got really close with him and um, ended up being a great opportunity for me just to get some confidence and, you know, playing half the games the year before and then dressing in the finals as a grocery stick wasn't an ideal, ideal setup for year two. So, you know, it just gave me some confidence and let me, let me just play, um, which I don't know if I would have probably continued on much further if I hadn't done that, you know? Do you think, uh, do you think that championship game had anything to do with them releasing? They didn't, they didn't like what you brought that night or <laughs> so, like you didn't run hard enough to the box or what? <laughs> yeah. They really want you to fucking get, get to that box as quick as possible. Fuck. Yeah. You didn't move too well on the bench. Yeah. That's wild. Um, so then was it just a one year in Philly? Yeah. Because the, that next year we became new England. Okay. So technically I was with that organization for five years, but with Philly for one new England for four. So then what's the, what's the move like? And, and like, what was the whole kind of changeover like for you? Yeah, it was actually tough. I was working at a private school in Philadelphia and I had a, my best buddy from Ottawa's uncle lived in Philadelphia and traveled a lot. So basically gave me his spot to stay at. Um, Nat was going to move to Philadelphia with me. We were both going to work at the school and I was eventually going to become a teacher there. Like we were moving to Philly for, for a year or for, you know, the short future. So it was tough. I was actually at, uh, at the world championships in Denver for Scotland and Joel White <laughs> comes up to me. He's like, Hey, did you hear about the move? I was like, yeah, like, we're, you know, we're living in Winnipeg. We're going to move to Philly. Uh, he's like, no, no, we're moving to New England. So it just shifted everything for me. So I had to, you know, kind of cancel that part of the, the visa process I was into and tell the school that I'm, I'm not coming back. And uh, we moved back to Burlington uh, into, uh, into the wife's parents' basement, which was uh, amazing, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then, so what, what did you do? What did you do for work after that then? I started my teacher's college that okay. year. So okay. um, went to school for two years to do that. And then you're there for a while. What was it like playing there and like in the casino, buzzing around, like having, you know, playing in that? And you guys had some good teams, obviously, throughout that time too, towards uh, towards the end of it. Yeah, we were, we started off pretty slow. Um, I mean, same kind of squad we had in, in Philadelphia. Um, just trying to build it. But, you know, I think New England did a great job of just trying to, like, get that community involved. It wasn't an ideal situation for, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Paul, you could probably speak to the boards and, you know, the size of the rink. And, uh, but, you know, it was a pretty cool little atmosphere. And, like, when you got in there, there was a time where I got stuck there in a snowstorm and I didn't get a breath of fresh air for seven days because he didn't have to leave the venue, right? Yeah. You know, there's two casinos, 15 restaurants, a couple bars, you know, everything you need right there. Um, so it's so really cool to play there. Um, cool experience. But, you know, I don't know that it's the, the best spot for an NLL team, uh, you know, to hit the big market. Yeah. It, you guys, yeah, like, I mean, obviously the travel was like a bit of a nightmare. Like, mm -hmm. but 
it's funny like before before they moved again like the crowds actually started getting really good there and so whether that was like you guys getting better as like a team and like putting together a better product but like i remember like playing the last couple of years there and be like holy like this guy's actually got something going on because you know even the casino is kind of like in the middle of nowhere so like who's like going to come to these games other than people staying at the casino but it actually like was pretty good i thought they were like I thought it was actually going to be something for a while. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think we, we grew like season ticket holders every single year. But the thing was, I think we only held like, I don't know, like seven to 9,000 yeah. people in there. So even when there was only four or 5,000, it felt like they were right on top of you, right? So it yeah. was it was good. And then the people were that loved it really loved it and were hardcore. And I met some really, really cool people uh, in New England for sure. Um, the travel again, like you said, was difficult. We'd fly, you know, two hours to Boston and then drive a two hour bus to Mohegan every weekend. Right. There's a couple of times the bus shut down or things were delayed or whatever. Right. So it wasn't ideal that way either. Um, but again, they, they made the best of it. And it was a, the Mohegan Sun was a great partnership and we were treated like gold there, treated like employees. And um, no, it was awesome. Well then, I mean, after, after your kind of, your time comes up there is that's when San Diego becomes an expansion team. Now, were you the first player in San Diego history? Yeah, technically I was. Yeah. So how did, how did that whole process iron out? Yeah. So I, uh, going into playoffs the year before I kind of thought I was going to go back to new England. That was kind of the plan. And then uh, how the season wrapped up, I just kind of wasn't really happy. I didn't know what was next. And it was kind of the first time for me to ever really, test the free agent market. I think, I think even Dobe spoke about it in your episode recently. Right. And some other guys have as well. It's just like the first time you have the chance to kind of see what's out there or see if you're valued or see what people think of you kind of thing. And um, it's kind of an interesting time. So, you know, I said that to Rich Lisk, who was our GM at the time. It, w- it wasn't really a great conversation to be honest with you with Clarky and Rich, because we had such a good relationship and they thought I was coming back and, and I thought I was going back, but I just said, Hey, you know what, let me kind of have a peek here and, you know, see what's up. And, um, I had no intention of going to San Diego, that's for sure. Um, but Patrick, Patrick reached out and just kind of expressed his interest. And, you know, um, my wife was pregnant at the time. And, and well, I guess we had just had, just had Adley. And, um, you know, we thought she's on mat leave. Like maybe it's a time to explore or moving away or doing something like that. And when Patrick kind of heard that, they thought, you know, let's fly you guys out here and, and give it a real shot and see what you think of San Diego and meet with Steve Govett and Josh Gross and, and kind of see what we're building here. And, and Polly, you can attest to it, right? When you get out there, you know, you're, you're treated really well. And uh, again, you saw what Steve and Josh did in Colorado and, and built that franchise and, you know, what they helped do there. And then I could see the same thing, obviously, with the vacuum, Joe Sai and, and San Diego and Josh and Billy Greer and, um, you know, just the group they were bringing in. And, and I knew that maybe Brody was coming and some other veteran guys and um, Dan Dawson, Zach Greer, potentially, um, you know, it, it was just, it was hard to turn down. Right. And, and we actually thought about it too, that if Matt was on Matt leave the whole time until the last day, it was literally the week after the championship. So no matter what we, we set ourselves up for a pretty cool situation to, you know, raise our, our first born in San Diego and California and, and uh, spent some time out there. What was, uh, what was it like living out there? Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I mean, I joked that I retired at 30 for a year just for funsies, but it was, uh, you know, my mom lives in uh, Palm Springs actually during the winter. So it was nice to spend some more time with her. Um, she got to you know, obviously see my daughter at a young age as well. 
Um, but you know, and the team was building, right. So I, I was kind of one of the only guys, there was a few of us that were working the off field stuff, doing the school programs, doing the TV, the radio, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but we hadn't built that many relationships yet. So, you know, I wasn't working all that much. So day to day was, was awesome. We hit the gym, kid would nap, we'd go to the beach, you know, rinse, repeat kind of thing. So it was a pretty good scenario for us at a, at a cool time in our lives. Not bad. So that, and how many years did you play there? Two years. So then you moved back. Well, COVID year, yeah. Did you move back during the COVID year and then, and you were traveling? How was the, what was the travel like? Take a toll or what? Yeah, it, it took a toll. I mean, I think um, I was back supply teaching. So it was actually okay. I had my daughter on Mondays and was supply teaching Tuesday through Thursday. And then I was on my flight Friday to, you know, that ADM flight to, to San Diego. So I actually didn't mind it because it kind of gave some structure to my week. And I think if you're prepped for those travel days and, you know, get your food, get your setup, get your movies dialed and all that kind of stuff, it, it's not so bad. And we're all still traveling with, you know, 10 guys from the team as well. So you kind of get used to it. It certainly takes a toll on the body when you're coming back and you're landing at 8 PM and you got to be up with the kids at six. Um, you know, that was difficult and, and it was definitely an adjustment, but um, yeah, I wouldn't change uh, or trade my time in San Diego for anything. So after, after the COVID year, you're, you're back to back to being a free agent again. And that's, that's kind of ultimately how you go land in Buffalo. How does, uh, how does all that come to be? Yeah. So after the COVID year, I got uh, baby number two coming and um, things are ramping up a little bit at home. We, we bought a house and, you know, I, I thought about going back to San Diego, but it would have been a travel situation. And um, I also wanted to hear kind of free agency and, and what was coming my way again. And, you know, obviously Brownie being in, in Buffalo and how good a team that they had. And, you know, I had a relationship with Dane and Josh and Vino, a couple of guys there that uh, I played with in Peterborough, Weiser um that it just seemed like a great situation for me um I think both playing wise and the guys I got to play with as well as you know playing with with my best buddy and, and having a chance to win with such a good team and, and being an hour and a half door to door um you know it, it's hard to turn that stuff down and late in your career and when you got a family going so um yeah pretty easy decision end of the day no doubt um Tell us a little bit about, I mean, a little bit about your time in Buffalo. What's it like playing there? I think we talked about it a few times, like ton of fans, crazy fans. Obviously you guys are a great team too. What's, uh, what's it been like? Yeah. I mean, you know, you kind of, it's crazy. Cause when you, when you're an away player, like you guys know, going into Buffalo, like I find sometimes the away team is more jacked up than the whole, than us. Right. And you got to kind of match that level because everybody has their family and friends in town. It's 15,000 people yelling at you. It's uh it's an unbelievable place to play, but I think you don't really realize it until you're a part of it day to day, like you are as a, as a Buffalo bandit, um, you know, just the traditions that they have going on there, the names on the wall, um, you know, the bagpipes coming down before the game, the intros, all that kind of stuff. Um, they do such a good job top to bottom and, and they're really well run. And um, yeah, and it's, it's an amazing team to be a part of. And obviously the, the locker room that we have is, is great too. So super fortunate at this point in my career to, you know, be with a team that, um, you know, has a chance each night and uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, and you, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of shift into, uh, into a little summer ball. How did the whole Peterborough thing come to be for you? Yeah. So that kind of happened in my new England days when TK became, he was my with me playing in Philadelphia his last year and then switched to coach in new England a couple of years later. And um, my rights were in Brooklyn and Brooklyn was making a run and I wasn't playing there. And, so they asked, uh, you know, if I'd be a part of a kind of a, be a part of a trade for Rubish and Corbeil. So me and 
few other guys were on our way to Brampton and um, TK at the time was saying, are you going to play in Brampton? And I, I just said, no, probably not. I, you know, I'm 30 years old. I got a kid. I probably won't play unless I have a chance to win. And so um, they traded for my rights in Peterborough and I was fortunate enough to have uh, three years there and three, three man cups. It's not a bad track record. Um, what's uh, talk about the most recent one. What, what was the celebration? Like we, I mean, did you stick around that, that night with the boys with the infamous video buzzing around? So I wasn't, I wasn't there this year. That would have been oh, okay. for me. So it was the one before. Yeah. That was yeah, the so, before. yeah. So we did new West was new West was first 2017, 2018 was uh, back in Peterborough. 2019 was in Victoria. And then this year back in Peterborough, I wasn't a part of it, but I had FOMO like halfway through the year. I was like, ah, oh, I should be playing right now. And I really missed it. It's obviously again, a little bit difficult when you, when you got the family. I know Polly was able to, to jump in there this year and he understand what it's like to play in Peterborough and it, it was difficult, but um, yeah, I mean, playing there's playing there's awesome too. It's right? so, uh, you know, that on a Thursday night in Peterborough is nothing better. I mean, so I mean, we can just kind of cap it off again. again appreciate Hold on. You. Sorry, boys. Yep. Sorry. I'm there back. I'm back. Tech I never guy. left. Never left. Um, I'm just so I'm just so hey, I went from the car to walking the dog now, you know. Oh, what can't this just, guy do? Hey, what just right from right to Vegas. So just being a dad, you know, it's a seamless transition. <laughs> um, no, I was just saying, were you were you close to coming to play this summer? Because it was tough. Like when we were, you know, when I when I joined, you, you kind of hear like you kind of hear, okay, this guy's coming back, that guy's coming back. You obviously your name, you know, kept pop up. Were you close to coming to play this summer or no? Yeah, I really was. Um, kind of towards the end of the year, we played to the finals, right? The last day of the finals of that uh, with yeah. Buffalo, which was Father's Day, right? Which is what June nineteenth yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. And body was a little banged up. Obviously, my ego was a little bit banged up. It was it was a tough tough finish of the year, so I had to kind of get through that, work through that. But um, I really did want to play, and I and I was going to come back and just some stuff with the family came up and some trips and some stuff that uh, you know back to Ottawa and all that and. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And um, if I know if, you know, I wanted to hang on to a couple of years, maybe NLL, maybe missing the summers is the way to go about it, which, uh, but again, as I said, watching playoffs and watching those videos of the boys behind the bar after, little FOMO was kicking in for sure. I watched every single game basically throughout playoffs and, and the man cup. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, just for like, kind of for listeners too, like, like you say, you go, you know, long, long season NLL and then, it's not so much regular season in the summer, but it's obviously playoffs. Like, again, it can definitely can definitely take years, years not only off your life, but off your playing career too. So <laughs> it's kind of understandable because, you know, you go three in a row and a couple like long NLL seasons. Like that's, you kind of get into that almost 12 month a year range playing lacrosse, right? With no, with no break, which is, you know, not easy on any athlete. No, for sure. It's, it's, it's a grind. And it's funny, right? When you, when you take a break, you're like, oh, this is going to be so well needed and so awesome for me. And then the second you see him playing and you see the boys out there or whatever, you miss it. So, um, yeah, it was tough. How, uh, how cool was it having, uh, I guess, having your, I guess it would have been, yeah, your first, first baby girl playing or being around when you, when you guys are winning those, winning the championships. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, that was cool. She was able to be uh, on the floor with me in Peterborough when we won uh, the second man cup there, um, which is really cool. And like, you know, it's actually almost better now because she understands it at that time. She was, you know, two, two years old, not even. Um, and so now it's almost better when she gets, you know, she's coming to the game this Saturday in, in Hamilton and, you know, she understands that dad's out there now. Right. And, and 
again, Polly, you can look into this a little bit too, right? It's, it's so cool when you got your, your kid know that, you know, what you do and kind of understand it and be around the guys and understand uh, that your buddies are out there as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's super, super special. And I'm lucky that I was able to play as, you know, as long as I have for that to even happen. No, hundred percent. My son doesn't quite know what's going on yet. He just knows he can uh, swing that stick around, but kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, though. no, no, exactly. I think, but it's like, it's funny because, you know, obviously like, you know, we all play to, to win championships and stuff like that, but then it's like, you know, you want to share those championships with like the people you love, right? So whether it's your parents, you know, your, your siblings or whatever. And then all of a sudden you have a kid and it's like, you know, yeah, you know, they'll remember, but again, it's just like making memories. So, you know, you can again have them on the floor with the cup, whatever it may be, man cup champions cup. It just kind of gives you like almost that extra motivation, a little more, you know, a little more drive to kind of stick around the game for sure. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, again, appreciate you taking the time, man, to sit down. I don't know, Paul, is there anything else you got for him before we let, let Bucky go? Uh, no, man, this was great. So you're, but none of, cause you're one of three, three brothers, right? Bucky. Yeah. I'm the oldest of three boys. Okay. So n- did any of the other brothers ever play lacrosse then? Yeah, actually they were, they were both really good lacrosse players. Um, oh, okay. My middle brother okay. yeah, played junior and he stopped. He kind of just liked the social life, had the girlfriend back home, kind of did that kind of route. And then, my youngest brother actually went out and played in a couple founders for Saskatchewan and then played in a man cup or a man cup Minto cup for Coquitlam in junior as well. So oh, they had no a good way. little run. Uh, some injuries crept up on the youngest one there with his knee and yeah, but they were, they were really good players. Okay. I just, I didn't know. Cause when you said like you started playing late, I didn't know. I didn't know where your brothers were in relation to you as far as like you being oldest or you being youngest. I didn't know if they were baseball mm-hmm. and didn't play, but no, that's cool, man. Um, dude, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I guess last one. Why? What's the what's the reasoning behind the number? Ninety one. Um, so I wore uh, sixteen my whole. I was, you know, again, started when I was ten. That was Toronto Rock heydays. Blaine Manning was kind of ready goal scorer at that time. So I wore sixteen my whole minor career. Then I, I always had a nine in my hockey number. So when I got to junior, sixteen was the biggest jersey in Ottawa. <laughs> so I got I took nineteen, and then. Uh, when I got to Akwesasne, um, someone was 19. So I just flipped 16 upside down. It's 91. And then uh, that's kind of how I stuck with it from there. I like it. I love those. Those stories are always gold. Uh, Last okay. one. Yep. Let, favorite, favorite lacrosse memory so far? Favorite lacrosse memory. Oh, that's tough. Um, probably maybe first man cup. Um yeah, probably just because realizing the grind that it takes to win one of those. And then, yeah, you know, I think it's insane. Like, you realize how tough it was, is to win a Stanley Cup. You add an extra round onto that. It's absolutely insane. Playing a game every other night and seven games in nine days. Um, you know, we won the first one in six and traveling out west and all that kind of stuff in a hostile barn in New West. It was it was a grind. And, um, yeah, it was just a lot of appreciation for what other guys had done, like that I know of and coached me or whatever the heck uh, – growing up so it was pretty cool that was probably one of my favorites love it love it beautiful okay man well again appreciate you taking the time best of luck uh best of luck the rest of the way and uh and we'll chat with you soon brother yeah thanks boys love the show always listening and uh appreciate you having me on absolutely thanks bucky appreciate it buddy
right, what a sit down with Bucky there. Shout out to Kevin Brownell for some stories too. Um, from back in the heyday, it was great little, uh, great chat. I can't believe, can't imagine those guys running around campus together. I'm sure it was, uh, I'm sure it was a pretty good time. Yeah, that, that would have been hilarious seeing him, Mooser, Brownie, and <laughs> Bucky together. Yeah, um, be funny. I be, I guess, uh, fuck, I, I didn't even, didn't even really touch on the Vegas game. Obviously, it was a Tucker, uh, Tucker oh, yeah. lymphoma night. So, kind of, kind of super cool. Um, you know, again, not, not to be on the end of the losing end, but you know, you kind of got to see some of the videos after because it was Willie's first game coaching. In a tie, yeah. like obviously he was always a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of you know, if you're gonna lose a game, it's that's kind of the game I guess you gotta lose too. But it was uh obviously super super touching. I mean, we 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 all posted those videos. Um, you know, we talked about it last week, but man, that you know, if he if you got a dry eye after that video, just kind of you know, with Greer's old hell hell year and and uh Willie talking about what it means, it's uh it's pretty cool. So that was, uh, you know, I've never played in one of those games and, uh, it, it was fun, but yeah, man, it is, uh, it is touching for sure. So I just wanted to, I feel, I feel bad if I didn't, didn't really touch on that. Cause it was something cool to be a part of. And, and Willie's wife was out there. The two kids weren't there, but they did the old, uh, video, video shadow. So Dice Williams did a little video and then, uh, daughter Delena did a video show. So it was kind of, kind of cool. So yeah, I just wanted to quickly touch on that as well. Yeah. No doubt. Pretty cool to see the end too. Barks putting the, uh, the box and jacket and the gloves on his locker too. Yeah. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. That's good stuff. But, um, you might hear, we got no Donnie this week. He's big leaguing us again. Um, but, uh, he's, he's, he's working, man. He's working full time. Real life, real life's yeah. got him. It's real life's hitting him, him in the face. He's overwhelmed. <laughs> he's had his first NLL breakdown. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something that hits everybody. You're balancing a lot of different <laughs> things, juggling the ball in the air. But he does all this stuff behind the scenes. He's grinding, getting episodes ready to go before he takes a pregame nap this week. So it's um, we appreciate everything he does, even though he's an idiot. But uh, I can't wait for him to listen to this when he <laughs> when he's got it ready to go. But as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Go support Cottage Springs. Um, order your back of the bird merch, um, and and we'll talk to you again next week. Peace. Better